Ireland has taken part in every Rugby World Cup so far. And while hopes have been high going into every tournament, the results have been pretty poor. And the end of the road for Ireland. They have beaten Ireland by 19 points to 12. For Ireland, a case of once again so near and yet so far. The 2023 tournament starts this Friday in France with the host nation taking on New Zealand. On Saturday, Johnny Sexton will lead out the Irish team against Romania. It's an easy draw in our pool, Pool B, which has been described as the pool of death because it also includes South Africa and Scotland, as well as Tonga. Ireland goes into the World Cup as the number one rugby team in the world. But can it live up to its top ranking and break the quarterfinal grass ceiling and maybe even go all the way? There seems to be a relaxed, confident attitude amongst the players and coaches. They have put together a remarkable run of of performances and victories in the last 18 months in particular, and they just seem to be happy. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, can Ireland, the number one team in the world, bring the Rugby World Cup home? Irish Times sports writer John O'Sullivan explains all before heading to France to cover the matches. John, if you were to meet somebody who knows nothing about rugby, how would you describe the Irish rugby team and what would you say to them about how good it is? I think if you look at over the last, uh, since Andy Farrell took over from Joe Schmidt, there was a period of acclimatisation in terms of what he wanted, the players he wanted, the style of rugby he wanted, the fact that he brought in Mike Cat, that he rearranged the coaching team. Then he looked at the players and decided that the that he wanted to play a certain style of rugby and he got the players to do that. So all of that took about kind of 10 months to a year of betting in period. And during that So when was that? When did he take over? 2019, after the last World ah. Cup in Japan. So uh, there was a betting in period with results. And uh, like any new coach, uh, you know, the media and fans can be a little bit sceptical at the start. They understand, uh, you know, that he has the credentials to do the job, but you're always kind of waiting to see uh, how he does. And he's done a fantastic job since. So he, uh, there was kind of stepped progress initially. And then once he got the players that he wanted, the style that he wanted, the the coaching team that he wanted, you could see the improvements were uh, far more evident over a shorter period of time. And since then, he's gone on to uh, bring Ireland to number one world ranking and uh, also to win a test series in New Zealand for the first time. There was a Grand Slam, so there were lots of milestones along the way and Ireland are a good team to watch play. So they're an attractive team to watch. He has prioritised the people in the group as well as being good players. They have to be good people. He's uh, fostered an environment that is what appears to be from the outside and by all accounts from players themselves to be very healthy. Very, su- They're very supportive of each other. And it just looks like a... If you're looking at, at very good team environments and sport, it looks like a very healthy one. So Ireland's number one in the world. We were number one in the world also in 2019. So... Surely then we're favourites to win the tournament this time around. No, I think for the exact reason that you've just outlined in in the previous sentence, we were number one in 2019 and uh, most people uh, might know how that uh, finished up. So no, number one ranking is obviously based on results over a period of time uh, and there's a... There's a coefficient that's involved in terms of previous wins and, and current results. Ireland are a side that can win the World Cup. 
I would say that France on home soil are favourites. South Africa have been reasonably impressive uh, in their warm-up games and are the, the reigning world champions uh, and have a very, very good squad and a good coaching team. So New Zealand will never be far away despite their, their travails over the last couple of years, despite the, the issues that they feel they may have or, or people think that you know Ian Foster isn't the right coach. They still have a squad full of very good rugby players and on their day are obviously capable of beating anybody and if you look at those teams, any one of those, France would be the bookmakers' favourites. Uh, they're on home soil and they've got a very, very talented squad, even allowing for the fact that they lost one of their key players. The World Cup seems to be a bit of a bogey for our rugby team, no matter you know what ranking we go into it. How have we never lived up to our expectations going into a World Cup? Um, and how far have we got? Uh, quarterfinal is the is the glass ceiling. Um, Not great. No, 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 not great when you consider some of, of the World Cups. I suppose it's, it's there are different reasons through different World Cups. So the first World Cup was in 1987. The coach, the late McDoyle, had a heart attack during the tournament. Uh, and there was just, it was uh, an amateur era when New Zealand were, to all intents and purposes, in terms of their preparation, uh, a professional team. And Ireland were just poor on lots of levels in terms of their prep. 1991 would have been the year where Ireland got closest to making it to a semi-final. So uh, some people may remember there was an Ulster flanker called Gordon Hamilton who scored a try late on in the match. Ireland took the lead against Australia at Lansdowne Road in a quarter-final. There were, I think, three minutes to go in the match when it restarted with Ireland leading and David Campisi and Michael Lina combined to score a try in the corner which put Australia through and Australia went on to win the World Cup that year. To Campesi, going for his hat-trick. Tackle short, line is in there, line scores. So Ireland were, uh, we'll say, less than five minutes away from a semi-final uh, that year. But then there were just, there were just, Ireland weren't good enough. Then you were coming into professionalism in 1995. Uh, and again, Ireland were some way off the Southern Hemisphere teams. Obviously, it was a World Cup, the famous Nelson Mandela, Francois Pinar, World Cup, All Blacks, food poisoning. Uh, Ireland met the All Blacks and met a, uh, a winger called Jonah Lomu, who announced himself to the world in that tournament. To Lomu again, Lomu. Oh, he's just away again, and he's up. It's just got Bell in front of him. He's still going. Oh, he's gone for another tackle. This is sensational running. He's still going, Lomu. He passes to Clonfield, and Clonfield. And 1999 was a low point because they didn't qualify. Well, sorry, they were one of two low points. But yeah, they didn't qualify for the um, quarterfinals. They were beaten in a uh, in a playoff game by uh, Argentina. That was hugely disappointing for them. And then over the years, that like, you would look at t 2007 when Ireland went in with a sense to be a very, very good team that had won triple crowns uh, and championship and a championship with uh, in terms of the Six Nations. But again didn't perform at all. Uh, and that has been, I suppose, a little bit of a theme across a number of different coaches. It's just the fact that the, the squad, no matter what they've done in previous years, has gone to the World Cup and, and found a way to underperform. So what happened in 2019 in the last Rugby World Cup? Uh, they they went there under Josh It started very well. They beat Scotland in their opening match, but they came a cropper against Japan. Uh, and just, that surely was surprising. It was surprising. It was it was it was surprising. Japan had had, had kind of 
had broken onto the world stage in, when they beat South Africa in 2015 in Brighton in a famous game four years previously. So, and they had been growing and this was their home World Cup. Uh, and they produced a really good performance and they backed it up. They went on to back it up. They beat Scotland as well in the, in the pool stages. So, by virtue of losing that match against Japan, it meant that Ireland were going to face New Zealand in a quarter final, and they never turned up that day, and New Zealand spanked them. Grab it ahead. Surely, surely the try. That kind of sums up Ireland's night. He's dropped it. Robbie Henshaw cha-chings it. It went in, it went straight back out. So what's changed since then? I think um, the players, obviously there are 18 newcomers to a World Cup in the squad. I think that uh, there seems to be a relaxed, confident attitude amongst the players and coaches. They have put together a remarkable run of, of performances and victories in the last 18 months in particular. And they just seem to be happy. The squad seems to be happy. There seems to be an understanding and a buy-in to everything that they're trying to do. From the coaches devising, if you like, patterns of play and a strategy of play and the players kind of buying into that. And they've also been reasonably, apart from Keane Healy, who was very unfortunate, is very unfortunate to miss out, injuries haven't been a problem. Injuries were a huge problem in 2015, for example, when they beat France in a pool game and then they lost. At that stage, they had they were missing five first-choice players by the time they got to play Argentina in a quarter-final. But they went to Japan fairly buoyant as well, though, didn't they? They did, but there are a number of schools of thought here. One is that they, the players that, that Joe Schmidt, his team environment is very intense. And they felt that at that stage, it was the tail end of his time with Ireland and it had been... He was micromanaging everything to that point and uh, it just felt that Ireland weren't able to breathe in a playing from a playing perspective and, and also the players just didn't perform. Simple as that. Now you can look at the environment and how difficult it was and whether it was conducive to getting the best performances at that stage. Like Joe Schmidt obviously in 2018 had won a Grand Slam with these players so it's not like and he was a very successful coach and a very very good coach. Um, but I think just at the Towards at that stage, it just seemed to be that there was there was a slight kind of disconnect between coach and, and players at that stage and, and it kind of manifest itself in, in performances in the World Cup. There didn't seem to be a lot of joy in the group. Okay. And I think no matter what sport you play, you need, I'm not saying you should go around and it should be all sunshine and lollipops, but you do need to enjoy what you're doing because it is very intense and you, you have to under, it's important that you're able to relax and it's important that, you, that you're able to enjoy what you're doing. Well, speaking of that, can we talk a bit about the personalities involved? It's a big squad, but who are Ireland's key players and what are we expecting from them? Uh, key players would be Johnny Sexton, the captain. Obviously, he is a kind of lightning rod for the way they play. Uh, he's a very important player. In the big matches, he has stood up. He's uh, very much a leader in terms of what he does as much as what he says. Sometimes you you look at him on the, the, the field and he's kind of, he's having a running dialogue with referees and, and just needs to at times, you know, kind of quite apart from other issues, he needs to kind of step back at times uh, in that perspective. But there is no doubting his quality. Uh, and he's got a bit of grey uh, hair now. So obviously the team respect he him. He's ancient. He's 62 years. <laughs> he's 38 years of age. And uh, yeah, he does. Uh, he No, he's a, he's a leader. He's a yeah. leader in every respect. He's a, he's, a, he's a superb rugby player, has been for some time. He's very important to Ireland. He... Uh, 
has that ability to manage games, which is really important. Other players in the team, you know, people talk about Gary Ringrose, uh, you know, maturing into that 13 role. He adds, he's a very good rugby player, very good brain. Hugo Keenan has been superb for Ireland at full back. And more often than not, it's a bit of a sporting cliche. You look at a spine of a team and the spine of the Irish team is very, very important to them. So it's not that other players aren't important, but Hugo Keenan, Gary Ringrose, uh, Jemison Gibson Park is huge. He sets a, a tempo for the way Ireland play um, and is a hugely influential performer. When Ireland are at their best, he invariably is playing extremely well and the halfbacks control the game as well. The two props, Andrew Porter, Tyg Furlong, Dan Sheehan, when he's fit in the front row, and then, you know, James Ryan, Tyg Byrne. It, it's right throughout. There's There are players that can come in, but there, if you're asking me about who... Players that are standout players, Kellen Doris is another one, would be a contender for World Player of the Year. And the guy beside him is the World Player of the Year, Josh van der Fleer. So uh, I think for Ireland, if they can get their first choice team out on the pitch, uh, I think that will give them a huge opportunity to do what they want to do. I'll continue my conversation with John O'Sullivan after this short break. Now, we're hearing a lot of chatter about the sort of World Cup inexperience of some of our team because we've got 18 of the squad of 33 that have never been to a World Cup. Is that a weakness? I don't think so. Uh, I think it's uh, it's all about your body of work. Um, like the World Cup is a, is a, it's a relatively short period of time. This team, this group of players has been successful for over two years. And that's what you buy into. You don't kind of buy into the fact that it's... Like for Ireland, the focus is on winning their first pool match against Romania, then Tonga, then South Africa, then Scotland, then whatever the quarterfinal throws Mm. up, either France or New Zealand, and then into the final. So it's a series of matches. Most of the team from come from a school's background um, before the the listeners give out about it. (laughs) Yeah, of course there should be... You know, you'd love to see more club players. But the school's... Schools rugby is about, is a knockout cup competition in the four provinces. You don't get that, with the exception, sorry, of Munster where you can get get back in. But in those circumstances, they're used to playing knockout rugby. This is once you get past the pool stages. I mean, in in some ways for Ireland, this should be tailor-made for them because they're used to that. They've grown up from a very young age playing that sort of, that style of rugby. But I think in... Everything that Andy Farrell has said to this point in the competition has been, okay, fine, we need to manage the game that we're playing. We don't need to look ahead. So that's his approach, game His by approach game. Is, is, it sounds and very trite. And it's not going to change. No, it sounds trite and simplistic, but you can understand why. Because then, you know, when you're sitting down in uh, four days' time to watch the opening game between France and New Zealand, which is huge ramifications for Ireland, if they progress through their pool, they will play one of those teams. So let's talk about the tournament and the actual game. So Ireland is in Pool B um, with South Africa, Scotland, Tonga and Romania. And from that Pool B, each team plays each other. And in the end of that, two teams emerge. It's not, we don't, it's not automatic that we're going to get out of the pool, but that is the pool. South Africa, the current champions, and they, I suppose, they're the obvious threat in Pool B. Uh, South Africa ranked number two in the world and demolished the All Blacks 35-7 in August. Who is seen as the favourites when we play them on September the 23rd? 
I would say that you would probably be able to get a wafer thin mint between them on the as far as the bookmakers are concerned. I think it's a 50-50 call. I mean, if you look at it, the most recent game between the sides, Ireland won. Vander Fleer, James Ryan, Porter, superb. Jamison Gibson Porter, here's the gap. Tag burn, must be a try for Ireland. Jimmy O'Brien to Matt Hansen. If you look at the fact that Ireland have underachieved in World Cups, that South Africa are the reigning world champions, that they've been reasonably impressive, that victory that you mentioned against the All Blacks. Um, so I think it's it's a very much a 50-50 game. Mm. So that'll be the real game. That'll be a real game to watch. I th- yeah, absolutely it'll be. I, I think also that Ireland aren't underestimating. Like they'll, they'll, All the right things will be said in the build-up. So Ireland will go concentrate in the first match against Romania, who are quite weak and got into the tournament because Spain were disqualified. And Why was out. Spain disqualified? They were thrown out for playing in a fielding and an eligible player. Oh, okay. Uh, so Romania got in by virtue of that. They've been soundly beaten by a number of teams most recently. I think Italy beat them 57-7 in a match. So, you know, Ireland will have to apply themselves basically in the first game. Tonga also a, a good side with some former All Blacks because the change in eligibility rules. So they, But those All Blacks are older now and they're not quite the players they were. So again, Ireland would expect to, to have momentum through the first two matches to give the vast majority of their squad some game time. Mm. And then, yes, you move to Paris and it's the world champions uh, against the number one ranked side in the world. And that's, it depends, hopefully, with no injuries. What distorts this slightly is uh, South Africa play Scotland in their opening match. So how do you see this pool playing out? Who are the two that are going to emerge? I would, I think Scotland have improved and I think they're playing a great style of rugby under Gregor Townsend. I think if Ireland, I have a sneaking feeling Ireland will beat South Africa. And if they do, I think the momentum with with no serious injuries, I think they can beat Scotland and I think Ireland will go, will emerge from the pool. I think that it will be very interesting to watch South Africa and Scotland play on the the opening round weekend. Sorry, I'm going to that match in Marseille. And I think that'll be a very interesting match for lots of reasons. you get the measure of the team. So. Yeah, you get all sorts of first game in a tournament and you're never sure. It's not like week three, game three, game four, where you've had a, a bit of an opportunity to play through it. You now have, this is kind of first day, first day at school, basically. Mm. You know, see how you rock up. And the tension of all that. The tension of all that and knowing that you're playing a pool rival in the first game. So both South Africa and Scotland will have, to a point, their... their uh, their passage defined by that opening match uh, and what they need to do. So that will that will clarify it. The one thing you'd say about the Scots before, and it was a little bit with their uh, Glasgow Warriors team, which did well to a point, is that they they haven't delivered in a big tournament, and that's uh, in terms of the Glasgow Warriors, and then if by extension the the, the Scotland team. So I think to see how they fare against how they measure themselves and how they fare against South Africa will be very instructive. So we got the Jamier draw, really, didn't we, against Romania? But at the same time, that does bring pressures because we're going to be expecting a big score on the board for us. Yeah, I think the other thing is that that certainly nobody could accuse Ireland of having a favourable draw on the basis of having the two, the other teams in the pool. Like, this is definitely the hardest pool and it's the hardest side of the draw as well. So for once, when Ireland are coming into a, a, a kind of, if you like, a World Cup like this, they have lucked out in terms of how difficult their side of the draw is, their pool is and their side of the draw is. Having said that, it's it's about, I mean, again, it sounds very trite, but, you know, Andy Farrell will be saying to the players, just play, play. I want to see a good performance. And what that begets is fine afterwards. If they win by 
50, 60 points. But yes, your point is is well made in the sense, yeah, if they win, you know, 20, they can't win by two points, 26, you know? 12, <laughs> yeah. nobody's going to be jumping up and down yeah. going, this is, this is like shades of 2007, sure. where they beat Georgia 14, 10 in a match. And, you know, people were... <laughs> Yeah. It was a four Yeah, because a win a isn't just a win, really. No, no, you've got to you've yeah. got to play with a style. You've got yeah. to look at the opposition. You've got to say, well, okay, we bring in integrity. You, mm. you, what is very important for the players is that mentally they apply themselves here mm. as much as physically, because the All Blacks in the past against teams like Romania would run up a hundred points, and they would do it in a kind of in a back as a backhanded compliment they would play flat out for yeah. the game that's what they They're would not do not going easy on them no yeah. and they wouldn't mm. and they would keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing all the way through the game mm. and in some respects while not wishing that sort of result on Romania that's what Ireland need to do Ireland need to apply themselves mentally as well as physically and they need to, to lay down a marker and they need that marker comes with performance individual and collective obviously collective being most important but within that then it's down to individuals to play well we look at it from the outside as a squad of 33. The players from the inside look at it and say, I want a jersey for South Africa. I don't want, you know, I want to make the, at worst, I want to make the match day 23. I don't want to miss out on these games. So those who are afforded an opportunity in the first two games will be mustard keen to, uh, to lay down a marker. They'll want to say to Andy Farrell, pick me. Now, I mean, you're going to have to explain this because I, I, I don't understand. There's been a controversy over the structure of the draw for this World Cup. Essentially, in the pool stage, there's an easy side and there's a hard side. And Ireland, of course, we're on the hard side. Can you explain that? Uh, yeah, it goes back to the rankings. It goes back to the previous World Cup and then it goes back to the rankings that were taken three years ago when the draw was made. So that's when the draw was made. They were the rankings at the time and the, the teams that did well in the previous World Cup, all those are factored in. World Rugby have recognised the folly because of the current world rankings and the teams that are on the one side of the draw, they've recognised the folly of doing the draw that far out from a World Cup, which isn't reflective of where the teams are now, yeah. uh, going into a World Cup. So they've re- resolved to change it in 2027 which will be no good to the current crop of 33 Irish players or those on that side or, or the other teams that are on that side of the draw. But that's sure. that's just the way it is. And sometimes you have to, like there's a, again, you know, you're kind of talking about you've got to beat everybody. Mm. That's true. You could just do it not having to beat everybody before you get to the quarterfinal. Okay, quarterfinal. Yeah. It'll be against either France or New Zealand. That's a tough draw, no matter how you look at it. It is. It's, yeah, um, it's kind of frying pan and fire. Which would you rather be in? Um, I yeah, it's it's very very difficult. That's the opening match of the tournament. So on Friday night in Stade de France, in front of eighty five thousand people, New Zealand and France will go head to head. There's huge pressure on France uh, as the hosts and as a brilliant rugby team. Huge expectation in France, but they know that you know kind of uh, depending on the outcome of that match, that they won't be under pressure in their pool. They won't look at it other than playing a match. It sets, it lays down a marker for the tournament. Whoever wins that game has laid down a marker. They can't know, obviously, who their quarterfinal opponents are going to be because you've got South Africa, Ireland and Scotland have to play each other and that has to be sorted out. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, it doesn't matter if we lose, we'll, we'll get to play X. No, you won't know that for another three weeks. Now, Andy Farrell has said coming into this this World Cup, that it's a wide open competition. That's kind of the sort of thing managers say, isn't it? But do you think it's true? I do. I do. I think that all the teams that we've listed from that side of the draw and on the other side of the draw, Australia, Eddie Jones has a remarkable capacity um, 
to produce a team that that is difficult to beat. And Australia have had have lost their last five or six games, have had some poor results, have had some poor performances. But he has a remarkable capacity to get his team right, and I, as he has done uh, in the past, uh, get his team to finals of, of Rugby World Cups, which he's done a couple of times. So I, I wouldn't rule them out. They've got a lot of talented players. The question is, can he, uh, can he put the jigsaw together in time for the knockout stages? They're in a difficult group. Wales will fancy their chances. Again, Warren Gatland is a, is a coach that is able to put together a, a team that is competitive in tournaments. He's done it in the past in terms of winning Six Nations and obviously also how Wales have performed in World Cups. England, who knows, really at this stage, uh, Borthwick is under huge pressure. The players, uh, there seems to be uh, very much of a disconnect there. It's very disjointed. Their performances are quite poor. England's fortress is the Temple of Doom. But for Fiji, it is simply the greatest moment in their rugby history. Final score at Twickenham, England 22, Fiji 30. And you just feel that if they were to, if they were to come a cropper early on in the tournament that, you know, you wouldn't know where that might finish uh, for them. So yeah, I mean, it, it would be, if Ireland can get to a semi-final, they will think that they can go on and win the tournament. Okay, certainly. well, whatever they think, I'm going to get you to predict. But before I do, I don't know, did you see, this week on Monday, the BBC, they put the whole tournament through AI. Excellent. They got the Opta tournament predictor. It uses thousands of data points and it's AI supercomputer. It simulated World Cup 10 million times and then it gave a percentage chance of each team winning the tournament. The predictions take into account recent form, historical success, uh, pool and fixture difficulty and other stuff. Ireland came out on top at 21.7%. France, 21.4%. And then South Africa and then New Zealand. So it's basically the top four. It said that there are four sides heading into the tournament who are almost perfectly matched. And then there's just the rest. So that's what AI thinks. What do you think? Well, I think that we've just mentioned those four sides are on the same side of the draw. So that'll tell you how difficult the draw is uh, for all four of those teams to uh, and whichever, whoever emerges from that. I've had a word with my goldfish <laughs> put around the bowl several times. Okay. And my goldfish mm-hmm. has stopped at, at, at Ireland. I can't decide between Ireland and France, really. Um, I think that uh, Romain Entomac's injury... Matthew Jalabert is a very, very good player who will who will play ten for France, and Anton Hastoy, who plays for Ron Magars La Rochelle, uh, are the um, options for for Fabien Galtier at, at out half. Um, France play with a style and substance; they can play it a number of ways. They have a pretty good kicking game as well. New Zealand look like they have just fallen a little, and that might be enough to cost them. Um, I still think, obviously, that they're they're dangerous. They're capable of beating anybody, and they've beaten South Africa. South Africa, physically big, strong, difficult to beat. But there is something, and it's it, it's. I have been at all by the very first one World Cup in New Zealand. You know, in terms of of riding on rugby, and and there is just something about this Ireland team. There's just it's difficult uh, to put a finger on it, other than to say that they're just. They're happy in their work. They're very. They've what what Andy Farrell's coaching team have done as well is prioritize fitness. Ireland are a very fit team, and if they get a fair crack with injuries, 
I think that they can make a semi-final and from there anything is possible. I think it'll be very, very difficult. And like I say, they'll play. So they play South Africa and they have a two-week gap to Scotland, which will be, you know, unless the injury, unless they're very kind of modest injuries, it'll still be difficult. But they've got a two-week gap to the Scotland game and then they play uh, their quarterfinal a week later. And that's you need to be you need to be lucky in terms of your injury profile when it comes to those last three pool matches. If Ireland have their close to the best team on the pitch, then yeah, they're good enough to win it. Thanks very much, John. Pleasure. That's it for today. For more Irish Times sports journalism, including coverage of every match in the Rugby World Cup from our team of reporters, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by John Casey and Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back on Friday.